welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all God's children and all God's creation. And where there is sincere love, there follows divine blessings. But love benefits not only the recipient, but being sincere love to others also blesses the giver, not only in this lifetime, but eternally. And God knows if we are sincere in our love for all life, or if we are disingenuous. Because remember, the spirit of the living God is always with us and knows everything about us. Nothing is hidden, for that spirit of the living God is our very own mighty I Am Presence. So, let us always be mindful of our thoughts, words, and actions, for the presence of God within examines everything about us. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life, and y'all be loved. Miriam sings a song of victory. The song. Jesus reveals the symbolic character of the journey of Israel from Egypt to Canaan. And Miriam stood before the surging crowd, and casting up her eyes to heaven she sung anew the song of victory. Bring forth the harp, the vena and the lyre, bring forth the highest sounding cymbal, all ye choirs of heaven. Join in the song, the new, new song. The Lord of hosts has stooped to hear the cries of men, and lo, The citadel of Beelzebul is shaking as a leaf before the wind. The sword of Gideon is again unsheathed. The Lord, with his own hand has pulled far back the curtains of the night. The sun of truth is flooding heaven and earth. The demons of the dark, of ignorance and death, are fleeing fast, are disappearing as the dew beneath the morning sun. God is our strength and song, is our salvation and our hope, and we will build anew a house for him. We'll cleanse our hearts, and purify their chambers, everyone. We are the temple of the holy breath. We need no more a tent within the wilderness, no more a temple built with hands. We do not seek the holy land, nor yet Jerusalem. We are the tent of God, we are his temple built without the sound of edged tools. We are the holy land, we are the new Jerusalem, Alleluia, praise the Lord. And when the song was done the multitudes exclaimed, Praise God. And Jesus said, Behold the way. The sons of men have groped for ages in the darkness of Egyptian night. The pharaohs of sense have bound them with their chains. But God has whispered through the mists of time and told them of a land of liberty and love. And he has sent his logos forth to light the way. The Red Sea rolls between the promised land and Egypt's sands. The Red Sea is the carnal mind. Behold, the logos reaches out his hand, the sea divides, the carnal mind is reft in twain, the sons of men walk through dry shod. The pharaohs of sense would stay them in their flight, the waters of the sea return, the pharaohs of sense are lost and men are free. For just a little while men tread the wilderness of sin, the Logos leads the way, and when at last men stand upon the Jordan's brink, these waters stay and men step forth into their own. Jesus teaches. A man requests him to compel his brother to deal justly. Jesus reveals the divine law, 
The power of truth and the universality of possessions relates the parable of the rich man and his abundant harvest. And Jesus taught the multitudes, and while he spoke a man stood forth and said, Rubboni, hear my plea, my father died and left a large estate, my brother seized it all, and now refuses me my share. I pray that you will bid him do the right, and give what is mine. And Jesus said, I am not come to be a judge in such affairs, I am no henchman of the court. God sent me not to force a man to do the right. In every man there is a sense of right, but many men regard it not. The fumes that rise from selfishness have formed a crust about their sense of right that veils their inner light, so that they cannot comprehend nor recognize the rights of other men. This veil you cannot tear away by force of arms, and there is naught that can dissolve this crust but knowledge and love of God. While men are in the mire, the skies seem far away. When men are on the mountaintop, the skies are near, and they can almost touch the stars. Then Jesus turned into the twelve he said, Behold the many in the mire of carnal life. The leaven of truth will change the miry clay to solid rock, and men can walk and find the path that leads up to the mountaintop. You cannot haste, but you can scatter forth this leaven with a generous hand. When men have learned the truth that bears upon its face the law of right, then they will haste to every man his dues. Then to the people Jesus said, Take heed, and covet not. The wealth of men does not consist in what they seem to have in lands, in silver and in gold. These things are only borrowed wealth. No man can corner up the gifts of God. The things of nature are the things of God and what is God's belongs to every man alike. The wealth of soul lies in the purity of life, and in the wisdom that descends from heaven. Behold, a rich man's ground brought forth abundantly, his barns were far too small to hold his grain, and to himself he said, What shall I do? I must not give my grain away, I must not let it go to waste, and then he said, This will I do. I will tear down these little barns and build up larger ones, there I will store away my grain and I will say, My soul take now your ease, you have enough for many years, eat, drink and fill yourself and be content. But God looked down and saw the man, he saw his selfish heart and said, You foolish man, this night your soul will quit its house of flesh, then who will have your garnered wealth? You men of Galilee, lay not up treasures in the vaults of earth, accumulated wealth will blight your soul. God does not give men wealth to hoard away in secret vaults. Men are but stewards of God's wealth, and they must use it for the common good. To every steward who is true to self, to other men, to everything that is, the Lord will say, Well done. The Aquarian Gospel of Jesus Christ, by Levi H. Dowling, 1920. Isis Unveil, Chapter 15 There are many spots in the world where the strangest phenomena have resulted from what was later ascertained to be natural physical causes. In Southern California there are certain places on the seashore where the sand when disturbed, produces a loud musical ring. It is known as the musical sand and the phenomenon is supposed to be of an electrical nature. The sound of musical instruments, chiefly of drums, is a phenomenon of another class, and is really produced in certain situations among sandhills when the sand is disturbed, says the editor of Marco Polo. A very striking account of a phenomenon of this kind, regarded as supernatural, is given by Friar Doric, whose experience I have traced to the Reg Ruin or Flowing Sand, north of Kabul. Besides this celebrated example, I have noted that equally well-known one of the Jebel Nakiks, or Hill of the Bell in the Sinai Desert, 
Jabal Fabal, or Hill of the Drums. A Chinese narrative of the 10th century mentions the phenomenon as known near Kwakau, on the eastern border of the Lop Desert, under the name of the Singing Sands. That all these are natural phenomena, no one can doubt. But what of the questions and answers, plainly and audibly given and received? What of conversations held between certain travelers and the invisible spirits, or unknown beings, that sometimes appear to hold caravans in tangible form? If so many millions believe in the possibility that spirits may clothe themselves with material bodies, behind the curtain of a medium, and appear to the circle, why should they reject the same possibility for the elemental spirits of the deserts? This is the to be or not to be of Hamlet. If spirits can do all that spiritualists claim for them, why can they not appear equally to the traveler in the wilderness and solitudes? A recent scientific article in a Russian journal attributes such spirit voices, in the Great Gobi Desert, to the echo. A very reasonable explanation, if it can only be demonstrated that these voices simply repeat what has been previously uttered by a living person. But when the superstitious traveler gets intelligent answers to his questions, this Gobi echo at once shows a very near relationship with the famous echo of the theater Port St. Martin at Paris. How do you do, sir? Shouts one of the actors in the play. Very poorly, my son, thank you. I'm getting old, very, very old, politely answers the echo. What incredulous merriment must the superstitious and absurd narratives of Marco Polo, concerning the supernatural gifts of certain shark and wild beast charmers of India, whom he terms a Brahman, have excited for long centuries. Describing the pearl fishery of Ceylon as it was in his time, he says that the merchants are obliged also to pay those men who charm the great fishes, to prevent them from injuring the divers whilst engaged in seeking pearls underwater, one twentieth part of all that they take. These fish charmers are termed a Brahman, Braham? And their charm holds good for that day only, for at night they dissolve the charm, so that the fishes can work mischief at their will. These Abrahman know also how to charm beasts and birds, and every living thing. H.P. Blavatsky And this is what we find in the explanatory notes of Colonel Yule, in relation to this degrading Asiatic superstition. Marco's account of the pearl fishery is still substantially correct. At the diamond mines of the northern Sarkars, Brahmins are employed in the analogous office of propitiating the tutelary genii. The shark charmers are called in Tamil, Kadal Kadi, seed binders, and in Hindustani, Hai Banda, or shark binders. At Arapo they belong to one family, supposed to have the monopoly of the charm. The chief operator is, or was, not many years ago, paid by the government, and he also received ten oysters from each boat daily during the fishery. Tenant, on his visit, found the incumbent of the office to be a Roman Catholic Christian, but that did not seem to affect the exercise of the validity of his functions. It is remarkable that not more than one authenticated accident from sharks had taken place during the whole period of the British occupation. Two items of fact in the above paragraph are worthy of being placed in juxtaposition. 1. The British authorities pay professional shark charmers a stipend to exercise their art, and 2. Only one life has been lost since the execution of the contract. We have yet to learn whether the loss of this one life did not occur under the Roman Catholic sorcerer. Is it pretended that the salary is paid as a concession to a degrading native superstition? Very well, but how about the sharks? Are they receiving salaries, also, from the British authorities out of the Secret Service Fund? Every person who has visited Ceylon must know that the waters of the Pearl Coast swarm with sharks of the most voracious kind, and that it is even dangerous to bathe, let alone to dive for oysters. 
We might go further, if we chose, and give the names of British officials of the highest rank in the Indian service, who, after resorting to native magicians and sorcerers, to assist them in recovering things lost, or in unraveling vexatious mysteries of one kind or another, and being successful, and at the time secretly expressing their gratitude, have gone away and shown their innate cowardice before the world's Areopagus, by publicly denying the truth of magic, and leading the jest against Hindu superstition. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 15 As you live closer in your calls to the guarding seraphim, you will find very great love filling your worlds as if by magic, in a perfectly natural way with those things you desire, I mean when they are the desires that fulfill the ascended master's divine plan. Oh! If people who are prodded and tortured by their human desires, would only demand the satisfaction and the contentment of the victorious mighty eye presence in themselves, they wouldn't have any struggle, precious ones. The presence doesn't struggle when it manifests its victory, it pours its love out and greets into outer manifestation the form you desire. But people are tortured by their own desires and those in the atmosphere about them, because they have not called forth the satisfaction and the contentment of their own victory. And you can't have contentment precious ones, you can't have satisfaction unless you do have the victory of your presence, because anything that might seem to be so from the outer standpoint, unless it is the perfection of your presence, would only be a temporary thing, and as soon as it's gone, your satisfaction and contentment would be gone too. So, when I call into outer action our victorious peace of eternity, you have scarcely to think of that until on the chest will you begin to feel a soft tingling sensation as the flame begins its expansion, and its radiation into the atmosphere about you, for this has to take place through the expansion of the flame in your own heart. So, when you acknowledge that that is the law of the victorious peace of eternity, my dear ones, if you'll let that be the law in your world, there won't be anything but the peace which allows you to fulfill the divine plan, and sustains its blessings in your world until peace is yours for eternity. Beloved Elohim of Peace People in their hearts rebel, or in their feeling world, rebel against discord and disturbance and mistakes and problems, and they fight, fight, fight them. But they don't call the victory of the opposite thing into themselves and into the problems to become that which will keep them satisfied and contented. I assure you, precious ones, the human desires are a ceaseless craving. They are the bottomless pit, and you can never satisfy them. You crave this, that, and the other thing, and as soon as you get it, you crave something else. But that's not true from your own beloved I am present standpoint. When you crave your presence and you demand its victorious presence inside of you, and you demand the flame of its victorious peace of all eternity, well then, there comes the satisfaction in doing anything you want to do that brings you permanent happiness. You will find all that restlessness, that discontent and depression and uncertainty and doubt and fear, will have been gone, as if they had never existed. I'm sure you feel this in the atmosphere tonight, and were you to see the building, I'm sure you would be delighted. It is enclosed in a son of my heart's love, that I assure you is eternal peace. May you forever feel yourselves clothed in my heart's flame of victorious peace of eternity, for I assure you, nothing in all time to come could ever change the peace of my love. Therefore, when you demand the victorious peace of eternity, you have demanded that love from your own I am presence. Love from our octave has become in you the law governing all the energy in and around you, 
with that feeling of contentment and satisfaction that becomes the permanent outpouring of perfection without limit from your own I am presence, from our octave. And it will become a magnet to draw to you from the physical world whatever you require to give you the assistance in fulfilling the great divine plan, as the ascended masters direct. Then will you enter into the real music of the spheres. Then will you know as you enter that stillness, that to enter that peace brings with it a light in which you may see all things clearly ahead, and know the direct, perfect, simple, harmonious way to do everything. Then your struggle ceases. Then your mistakes are no more, and then will your very radiation be a benediction to life, and fill the universe with a light that casts no shadow. Oh precious ones, that in itself is a tremendous decree. Were you to take the statement, I am the law and visible manifestation of the light that casts no shadow, the light of eternity in which I see all perfection, you will bring to yourselves marvelous blessings, a relaxation, a clearness of consciousness and absolute certainty of that which is ahead, which you may select, bring into outer use, fulfill the divine plan, and then go on your way to expand still greater manifestations. Beloved Elohim of Peace. Thank you.